Hello, and welcome to another episode of Resting Batch Face, the only Bachelorette recap pod that recorded like 25 episodes before actually recapping the Bachelorette. <laughs> I am Dan Paul, joined as always by my friend and co-host, might call her my partner in crime, Gwen Kirby. And Gwen, there's really only one question I can ask to get us started. Are you here for the right reasons? Woo! Hello, Resting Batch Face Nation! It's been a long wait, but we are here. The new season of The Bachelorette has started. I am wearing a bright pink t-shirt covered in corgis. This shit's about to get poppin'. I'm not sure that it's quite fair to call it a nation. Maybe like a principality? Like, what is the official designation of, like, Vatican City? Well, yeah. All right. Resting Batch Face, small-sized town. Let's do it. Let's light it. And I feel like the first question I have to ask as we as we get into this season, obviously the last season of Bachelorette due to quarantine issues took place in a La Quinta in Palm Springs. This season of The Bachelorette, ostensibly due to quarantine issues, is taking place in a Hyatt in New Mexico. Gwen Kirby, which of these two illustrious hotel properties would you rather hang out at? I think the really confusing question for me is that those were the two, these are the two Bachelorette quarantine seasons. The Bachelor quarantine season was at Nima Colon in Pennsylvania, which looked like fucking Versailles. So I'm not sure why The Bachelorette is getting dicked over in this way. I read a number of one-star reviews about this particular <laughs> And I'm here to tell you guys, if you go to the bar, don't order the cheeseburger. It's going to be overcooked. You're gonna you're gonna end up getting a twelve dollar cocktail, and Daniel, you know what my face looks like when I'm told <laughs> that my drink is gonna cost twelve dollars. So I'm not sure that we should go to this Hyatt. Uh, I might stick to the one in Palm Springs, just because it's the OG shitty quarantine bachelorette <laughs> location. And we, of course, we must pay homage to those original historical markers. Well, <laughs> slightly less less stupidly, though, I am of course shocked to hear that there might be some impropriety based on gender baked into the fabric of the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise. Let's start with, you know, when I go to a restaurant and I'm not eating, ordering a shitty cheeseburger, often what I like to do, I like to order the thing the restaurant is named for. So for example, in Salt Lake City, there is an establishment called the Crown Burger and the item at the top of their menu is the Crown Burger. So the first time I went in there, I ordered it. It was a cheeseburger with a large amount of pastrami on it for reasons. It was pretty tasty, but there were consequences. <laughs> if we're talking about The Bachelorette, let's start with The Bachelorette. So Gwen, who, for those of you who listened to our previous podcasts, there's going to be a little bit of a shift here in that Gwen is more of the historian than I am. Who is Katie Thurston? You watched the entirety of her season on The Bachelor, which I did not who is Katie Thurston and what are your feelings now having seen her in one episode of The Bachelorette as to what kind of season she's going to give us? So this this first episode kind of tried to give us a little bit of like, who is Katie Thurston? And it definitely had some background info I didn't know. Um, parents divorced when she was a baby, grew up poor. And then she kind of does the standard bachelor, bachelorette line, which doesn't make any sense, which is I'm incredibly hot and 30 and I'm sure that I'm never going to find love. So thank God I can be the bachelorette. That's kind of... You know, that's what we would come to expect. Uh, on Matt James's season, which was truly a dumpster fire, uh, Katie's limo entrance was her carrying a, a dildo. Uh, she says something like, you know, um, had to use this a lot during quarantine. So hopefully, like, you know, you could replace it or something. She managed to make it sound mildly less creepy than that, but not a ton. Uh, that's why we are going to see so many... Um, sex uh sex intros the sex doll etc this episode and katie's sort of claim to fame uh in matt james's season was that she stood up to people on the show who were genuinely being like pretty shitty bullies uh, thinking particularly about victoria but lots of other people and i am not going to burden our audience with the ins and outs of how that all went down um but katie actually like seemed like she really tried to do the right thing she was like, hey, Victoria, stop being such a bitch. And Victoria was like, I could be a bitch if I want to. 
And that was kind of their interaction. What's unusual about Katie for a bachelorette is that she only placed, I think, 10th or 11th on that season. Mm. Usually if a contestant doesn't get to maybe fifth at the least, usually fourth, third, second, uh, they're not going to be the next bachelorette, but people really liked Katie. Uh, I guess they really thought it was awesome that a woman would admit to owning a vibrator. I was going to ask. I mean, it seems not particularly more scandalous than a woman admitting that she owns a a pink corky tank top. (laughs) Why do you think they picked her? And I don't just mean, obviously, like they need to cater to the public demand at a moment where the franchise is in trouble. But what does it suggest to you about what they want the tone of this season to be that might be different than prior seasons? Well, I think in part they picked her because people really did not like how last season went down. Um, And I feel like actually kind of the longer contestants were in that season, the more people didn't like them, the more people didn't like the way the franchise was handling the first Black Bachelor, um, probably because the way they handled it was enormous surprise, shitty. Um, And and I think that there was also speculation. So from Matt's season, they actually picked two Bachelorettes. So Michelle is going to be the Bachelorette next fall. And there was some speculation that they picked Katie because Michelle wouldn't be available to film in the spring. She's a teacher. Uh, And so her season, well, airing in the fall, will film during her summer. Um, So I also think that, I think that that all aside, the franchise has gotten really heavy the last few seasons. And I think they want a Bachelorette who's just going to be fun. Uh, You know, someone who, when the guy comes in in the full cat costume, the lead just pounces on it. Uh, and, you know, I was I was not sure what I thought about Katie being chosen. I liked her fine. Didn't feel like I knew her all that well. But after this episode, I liked her a lot. She has a, she thinks everything is funny, which is nice. She seems like a huge dork, uh, even if she did get rid of the guy with the rock collection. And uh, I don't know, I feel optimistic. Uh, how about you, Dan? What did you think of Katie's first time, uh, first time out? So my only Bachelorette season that I watched was Claire Crawley slash Tasha's, which of course was in the aforementioned Palm, Spr- Palm Springs La Quinta. And already, yeah, Katie just seems like everything has a little less weight to it. The sort of like sex positivity felt very clearly like a kind of corrective, one that that no doubt was important. And I think she did what she was supposed to do. She acted like all these people were interested and she thought they were all hot. And she seems cute and fun and like not all that liable to just like cry in the corner until it's time to cry in the corner about the kind of things for which she is supposed to cry in the corner. Yeah, very much concur. Cautious optimism abounds. You know, the other switch, obviously Chris Harrison is not here, which is sad. I, I, I do think it's important that we take a moment to celebrate Chris Harrison because for all of his tone deafness and racism, he is an American hero. I don't think there's anybody in the world. I mean, maybe. I mean, like Zuckerberg's and Bezos's and all of them have this potential, but pound for pound has made more money for doing less than Chris Harrison. Like I could make some jokes about particular baseball players in the late nineties, like Mo Vaughn comes to mind for if we have any of our listeners who are baseball fans as well. But like the amount of money that Chris Harrison has made, not only just for being the host of a dumb show, but he's barely on the show. He shows up for like 10 seconds just to say, we're going to have a rose ceremony. Then later he says, we're in a rose ceremony. And then he says, there's one last rose. That's it. And the dude is clocking like 10 figures a year. I mean, it's amazing. So while, again, I think it was time for him to move on, and if he'd had any kind of self-awareness, he might have been able to kind of see the writing on the wall and not go out in a blaze of incompetence, instead just saying, like, it's time for something fresh. But I'm curious, one episode into Tasha and Caitlin Bristow's run now as the co-hosts, what is your take on the new format slash new host? Well, yeah, pour one out for... Chris Harrison, uh, he he went out in a bad way, uh, and he didn't step to the side. I mean, he they negotiated an eight mid eight figures, so we're saying around fifty million dollar settlement, so that he would not not reveal everything he knows about <laughs> things that happened on the franchise. Uh, so that fifty cool cool fifty mil to sign a, an NDA. Damn. <laughs> so what is he gonna? 
Is he going to tell us what really happened in the windmill? I mean, I, unfortunately, I think we really know what I, we know too much about what happened in the windmill, in my personal opinion. As for the new format, you know, uh, I love Tasha. Tasha was the second bachelorette after Claire decided she was desperately in love with Dale after five minutes of interacting with him. Uh, and she was a wonderful bachelorette and, and a lot of fun. Caitlin Bristow, I haven't seen, I didn't see her season. That's before I watched, but she seemed fine. I don't know if like that's the direction that I want whoever eventually is Chris's permanent replacement to take, but I think it's kind of like what we said about Katie. Like it's just time for this franchise to feel like fun again and like less goddamn serious. And, you know, having like your two girlfriends at the window while like the guy turns his back and you make humping gestures is, I I think, kind of a better place for the franchise to be than like, all right, like, I hope you know that either one of these 30 men is going to be your husband or you're doomed to be alone forever. (laughs) Like, I think the franchise has moved way too far in that direction. And this feels like a good corrective whether or not, you know, the eventual model for hosting the show ends up looking anything like this. So there's two things that I like about about this switch that sort of line up with what you're talking about. One is that it removes what is invariably the stupidest part of a season, which is when a former bachelorette shows up to talk to a current bachelorette as if they've like never dated anyone or never seen the show or like never had sex. Like that conversation is always this close to like, is there anything that you want to ask me before you head to the fantasy suite? (laughs) The other thing I like about it is, is there's this weird, almost like this weird time travel vibe for me, like where where Tasha and Caitlin watching Katie meet the guys kind of felt like they had gone back in time and were like watching themselves at the same moment. And then also like you're saying, just the lightness of them, like clearly eating prop popcorn. Oh yeah. Again, just like scales the whole thing down. Like I had the notes written down here as like very strong, like flora, fauna, Merriweather vibes from, um, from sleeping beauty. And again, just the further that we can get from Chris Harrison, who, who had his moment, and I think, like so many of us, perhaps not to the extent of him, believed his own hype. I think that I think Chris Harrison's problem is he began to actually believe that he had real value other than sort of the humor of him having no value <laughs> and yet being treated as if he was important. And um, it caught up with him in the end. It did. And I think, you know, I, I just I am really hopeful that this season just feels like a fresh start for the franchise because I, I, God help me, I do enjoy watching The Bachelorette. I think my husband managed to stay in the room for about the first five minutes before both I threw him out slash he couldn't take it anymore. Uh, but I enjoy the shit out of this show. Yeah. I'm just saying, if like fucking analytic philosophy or whatever the fuck he does is more interesting and is better than, you know, The Bachelorette, then I don't want to be right. I mean, I concur. I love you, baby. Yeah, we love us some Andrew, but it's possible that he is not a citizen of Batch Face Nation. It's possible that he's not. <laughs> Although he is the one who got me this bright pink corgi shirt. So I think we can all agree that he's a man who's willing to meet his wife in the middle. Which is which is all that we can ask. Well, speaking of meeting people in the middle, obviously the format here is they meet in the middle of this Hyatt in New Mexico. And for those of you who have not watched the show, The Bachelorette stands in a very nice dress and very well put together hair and awaits 30 men arriving by limo who each come out and they offer some manner of introduction. And there is a wide range of types of intros. And if I were, in fact, hypothetically putting together a taxonomy of introductions, you might find there are some that are just very serious and straightforward, just like, it's nice to meet you with some manner of looking into her eyes or something and saying something that's meant to be earnest. Those who come with a very particular pun, as in like, I'm sure Pilot Pete on his season was like, I'm a pilot and I want to fly you away from here or something like that. Well, as Trey bounced out of the balls in this episode, because, you know, she's going to be a baller bachelorette. So that, though, is a different, is a subgrouping, which is those who use puns with props. Ah, all right. Which sorry, we saw, sorry. we saw, we saw multiple of these. We saw the guy who had Hunter, who had a fish, because yeah. he was saying he was a catch. And then I believe it was Michael. I have a list on the other page that we'll get to, where he brought a baseball mitt, 
because either he was a catch or she was a catch. There are those who then escalate the props to the point of silliness. Some dipshit had a magic lamp, like a genie lamp, and he was like, let's try to rub one out together. Which again, Gwen, Gwen is making some faces here, but she did point out earlier that Katie did bring the dildo, which was perhaps she did some kind of invitation for this for this kind of thing. Then it escalates to people who show up in cars. Obviously, we had Andrew. One of the Andrews showed up in like a British roadster and then pretended to have a British accent for reasons. The dude who was basically trying to cosplay John Wick showed up in a moped <laughs> for some reason, and then. Obviously, the surgical skin salesman from New Jersey showed up in an RV. We'll be and, talking and more about that later. We will, we will be talking about him later. So that then there's those who show up in costume. Obviously, in this episode, that's Connor, who showed up wearing a cat costume with kind of an adorable little thing where he said he's hoping that you'll ask me out, <laughs> which... Which I think says more about me and Gwen that we both really kind of like that. Why do I like Connor so much? We're going to get to Connor. We're going to get to Connor. Connor is a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped oh, in a cat costume. Wrapped in a cat costume. But, but the costumes, the best thing about the people who go costume is that they're wearing the costume for the whole fucking night. So, like, there was a dude on the last season of The Bachelorette who I think he was his, the pun must have been, I'm crazy for you. And he's wearing a straight jacket, oh, yeah. but he has to wear a straight jacket the whole fucking night. And so like, everybody's doing a toast and they're like raising up their cocktails. And this dude is just stuck in a fucking straight jacket in a high, in a, sorry, a La Quinta in Palm Springs. I'm sure he was sweating balls. Oh God. Yeah. And then of course there is the, just the logical conclusion, the end state of costumes guy in a box which we will talk about guy in a box. But my question for you, Gwen, is, well, two questions. One, what is your favorite kind of Bachelor intro as a viewer? Then what do you think was like the most effective kind of intro for the Bachelorette? And then third, what would your Bachelorette intro be and would it involve a prop or a car or a box? Oh God, a lot of questions there. I mean, I guess I'll take, I'll tackle the second one first, which is just the, the mind-boggling truth that in this one season and one season only, going for a cat costume was 100% the most effective method. And I mean, I've seen people do this before. There was the girl who dressed like a sloth because the, the bachelor was a virgin and she was willing to take things slow. And <laughs> she literally spent part of the night in a tree. Like... <laughs> Uh, there was a girl who was in a shark costume and said it was because she w she wanted to be a dolphin trainer, which didn't make any sense. And she kept claiming her costume was a dolphin, even though it had like shark gills. That was pretty great. I mean, usually those people like Sloth Girl didn't make it past night one. Fucking Katie was like, hey, guy in a cat costume. She ended up in cat ears herself. Just like fucking snogging his face paint off him. So I, in this instance, that seemed to be by far the most effective uh, thing for Katie. In terms of like what I would do, oh God, I don't, I have no idea. I'm sure I would humiliate myself, whatever it was. Um, actually, I know what I would do. I would ask you what to do and then I would just do whatever it was that you told me to do. You would do some earnest bullshit involving like a really good fountain pen and talk about writing your story, except he wouldn't actually know that it was a pretty Bush League ass fountain pen because you were not going to actually give away your good fountain pen Hell to no. some dipshit on The Bachelor. I, I honestly was trying to think about this and the problem is that I'm so disinterested in this actual production that it's hard to imagine. I was thinking I would just... I would request the Batmobile because it's not like these people like it's not like these people actually own this shit. I mean, creepy guy owns the RV. I have no doubt, but God, it's, I really don't think Andrew brought like a 1920s roadster from England. He was like, yo, can you get me a fly car? Or they just suggested to him. And I would ask for the Batmobile because it'd be really fun to drive, even if only for a minute. And then I would get out and I would be like, I may not be the hero you need, but I am the hero you deserve or something, or at least <laughs> there's something to try to explain why I was like ascribing to be Batman, even though I'm like five, eight, um, you know, with these though, I mean, I'm so interested 
in the role the producers play and like how much of these are intros that these people came up with and how much are they just like totally gullible, right? Or are they just manipulable by the producers and the producers like, look, I'm going to be honest, you're not that interesting. This is your only shot. I'm going to need you to pull out this inflatable woman. Or did he come to her and just say, I have a great idea for a joke about an inflatable woman. Do you have one on hand? While I do not know for sure, um, my understanding is that a lot of the intros are just like scripted by the producers. And they're just like, hey, you're going to be sex doll guy. And I don't know if they're like, hey, contestant, like give us your top five ideas for your entrance. And then they're like, all of yours suck. So you're going to be sex doll guy. Because I don't know, I felt like cat costume guy, like legit was like, you know what I really want to do? I really want to dress up as her cat. Or like that Andrew guy was so into his British accent. Like no producer asked him to do that. That was like in his goddamn audition tape. And they were like, this motherfucker is going to do that. When he I comes. wonder, I wonder actually if that's on the application. Like what would your intro be? I mean, it yeah, might be. It might be. But like anyway, I think that would be a really fun, really ridiculous job is just writing the terrible intros for these idiots. And I'm just saying, if they saved any money off of the back end of Chris Harrison's contract, and they're looking to hire somebody just to write (laughs) really stupid puns to be acted out by idiots, I cannot tell you how ready, willing, and able I am to throw myself into that position. Well, before we get into these individuals, for their individuals, I do just want to, again, kind of set the stage for those who don't watch this. So again, she's she's introduced to all these people one by one, with some combination of ridiculous pun or prop or just they're in a box. And then they go into the main room and wait for her. And then a cocktail party ensues in which she's going to have conversations with these people. And this is just organized chaos or disorganized chaos. And I guess, which always just shows her having a conversation with somebody occasionally escalating to smooching for no reason, but whatever. And then somebody comes and says, can I steal her? And then the answer is yes, and then she is stolen. <laughs> and she has a brief conversation until she is stolen again. Like, And when there are arguments amongst the, the assembled, it is over like the mechanics of these, this kind of theft. Like, what, what, is she, what, if anything, are the rules of cocktail parties when? That's a great question. Um, well, I mean, you know, you can always steal her. That's fine. You don't want to steal them twice in one night. That's looked upon as pretty poor etiquette. Three times is appalling. Um, You know, you wouldn't want to go in for the steal if someone's only been talking for one minute. You want to give them, you know, at least like five minutes. Be polite. Be a gentleman. Um, When you're having her stolen from you, you want to be cool, you know, because you don't want the bachelorette to think you're a possessive asshole. Lots of men are not great at that particular aspect of things. Um, there was one season where a contestant interrupted another contestant by blowing a bullhorn in her ear. That is not appropriate. <laughs> uh, don't do that. Uh, but besides that, you know, there aren't that many cocktail party rules. It, it gets more complicated as you get into group dates and stuff, but you know, we'll discuss that as we get there. Yeah. I, I just, I'm going to throw it out there. If you guys are looking to shake things up at Sewanee, you might consider instituting the cocktail party format for people wanting to talk to agents um and hypothetically just leave a bullhorn out there and see what happens frankly that would be less work for me i would just be like i'm not going to schedule any agent shit anymore i'm just like here are 10 bullhorns and 10 agents (laughs) fucking figure it out for yourselves here's eight bottles of gin i'll be back in three hours boom what could what could possibly go wrong all right speaking of what could possibly go wrong let's get into these people and again we have 30 of which not all of them are going to survive the night. And I don't even know how to structure talking about them. So we're just going to kind of go back and forth and talk about who we want to talk about for whatever reason. But let's let's start with some contenders. And let's just start with Connor. So again, we already mentioned him. He's a math and music teacher from Nashville. Shout out Pancake Pantry. Who showed up in a cat costume um, with like whisker makeup and everything because he knows she likes cats. and And then... He had the line of the night, well, non-creepy edition, where he said that he hoped she would, I'm, I'm here, I'm hoping you'll ask, ask me, me out, out. Um, which is just brilliant, which is just brilliant. So the most shocking thing about this entire episode for me is that I really like Connor. I know! When, 
explain why. I don't know, Daniel. I don't know. I saw him walking up the driveway and I was like, oh shit, like this motherfucker, he's in trouble, right? And he gets to Katie and Katie says, I think I'm in love. And then she says, I'm a crazy cat lady. I love my cat. Coming out in a cat costume is the weight of my heart, which then my soul did a little like record scratch. And then when they were hanging out together later, he just was fucking, I don't know, he was adorable. Like when he finally took his little his little cat hood off and he like needs to fix his hair. But instead of just fixing his hair, he pretends to be a cat and pretends to like lick the back of his hand and yeah. then like nudge his hair. I don't, I genuinely don't understand it, but he seems like a cutie. And I thought he was going to get the first impression rose. And I was actually pretty gobsmacked that he didn't. We'll, we'll talk about who did in a second. I mean- he knows what lane he's in. I mean, and this he is does. either like he's really just smart thinking about the Bachelorette or he's also like, I'm not going to go on this dumb TV show and not be myself. And he's in a room with all of these like, I'll just say like much more conventionally attractive, like taller, musclier people. And he's not just going to wear like one of these tuxes or whatever and like try to look like fucking James Bond when he would look like me trying to be Bruce Wayne getting out of the fucking Batmobile at 5'7". And so he's like, fuck it. Like, if she's not into dumb shit, she's not going to be into me. And and much respect. And again, he also just seems nice. And part of it is he will talk about some of the people that he is nothing like. But, you know, The Bachelorette certainly induces a lot of fuckboys to try to come on TV. Certainly does. And if what you're trying to say is, I am not like the people that I am clearly not going to compete with in their fuckboy lane, then dressing up in a cat costume and like making an idiot of yourself on TV or risking making an idiot of yourself on TV doesn't seem like the worst plan. No, I mean, I, we won't, I won't draw on him further, but I mean, he is also the person whose little at home meet the gentleman thing was him playing his ukulele in a bathtub. So I would say yeah. <laughs> like he, he has a lane, he's in that lane. It seems like a very genuine lane. He brought one of the giant pianos from big, that you oh, like yeah. on yeah. and like the two of them were playing like twinkle twinkle little star on the floor. I mean, again, he's going, he's going for cute. I mean, it's interesting. Also the other person, the person who won the, the, the first impression rose, which is Greg seems to be in a similar lane. He's also Very short. So. I wrote my notes here is that he looks like a former Harry Potter actor. Like he <laughs> has the, he has the look of somebody who like, I don't know, was just like a random Hufflepuff, but then kind of like, now like grew up and so he looks like just kind of like a cute adult he has like he also has all the nieces as far as i can understand like his claim to fame is like he comes from a family of many nephews and many nieces one of whom made a pasta necklace that he presented to her which to me was like the construction was pretty faulty i don't like that it was that it was it was penne because that's just like that takes the least amount of time like that shows the least amount of craft because they're so long, you just don't need as many of them. I, I would have preferred something something with some macaroni and a little bit a little bit more, I don't know, pasta work, for lack of a better way to put it. I mean, I agree. Shoddy work. Uh, you know, way more string than there was pasta. Like, what, would you run out of pasta, four-year-old girl? <laughs> Greg is, is pretty cute. He kind of, like, touches it, and he's like, oh, it's not real gold. It's pasta, which is pretty sweet. Hilariously, he is, like, the contestant that Andrew has really taken against. Andrew says that Greg <laughs> Andrew says that Greg is very into himself and that Andrew does not trust him. So <laughs> well in the immortal words of Aaron, as he said to Cody, I don't like you and I've never liked you never after liked knowing you. him for a half an hour. Listen, I'm here for all of the Andrew shade. For the listeners who don't know, Andrew is a very kind Midwesterner not a cold-hearted coastal bitch like me and Gwen. <laughs> so it's very nice to hear him turning to the dark side, even if he only watched for 10 minutes. I mean, I, I will say when Greg won the first impression rose, I believed his earnest shock. Oh, like absolutely. He seemed legitimately surprised. So he did not strike me as arrogant. He struck me as, I mean, maybe he'll turn out to be a, like a manipulative Slytherin after it's all said and done. Cause he does have that Tom Riddleish kind of look about him. But like he's certainly playing it as he's not arrogant. And maybe again, this is a, a master manipulator move, but one episode in, he just seems like kind of a goof kind of a goofball who can't quite believe that he hasn't been kicked off yet. I mean, I think Andrew is 
adorable, but a thousand percent wrong about Greg. Um, and I actually, I think she gave him the first impression rose rather than Connor to try to calm him down. I think she likes both of them. Uh, but I think Greg seems like he needs extra reassurance. And I feel like that's why she picked him for that rose uh, and not Connor. That's just my speculation. I will say it's a shot across the bow for all of the like trying to look like James Bond fuckboys out there. I, I want to start with, and again, there's no real order or sequence we have to talk about these idiots. But like, for, you know, we're going to try to start by talking about the people who seem like they have some staying power. And then we'll just devolve into 10 or 15 minutes riffing about how much we hate the dude in the RV, even though he gets kicked off in the first episode. But Thomas is the first person out of the car, which suggests that he's going to have some staying power. He, I mean, you'll have to, you'll have to riff on this perhaps, perhaps more than me. I mean, he, they're certainly like trying to code him as conventionally attractive. He's wearing like a bow tie. He's, he's wearing like the Bennett special for those of you who watched the Bachelorette, um, on Tasha's season. Yeah, but nowhere and near that good looking. He just looks evil to me. I just wrote here, villain. And he says to her in what seems like it's trying to set up some like weird mind games. I just am so proud of you for having the strength to be vulnerable. And I'm looking forward to learning what makes you, you. Which seems to me like, is it a euphemism for him wanting to like harvest her bone marrow or something? Like, I... He just strikes me as creepy, but he's being coded as he's a contender. I don't know. What was your read on him? Yeah, I I found him creepy. I was very surprised when she was like, oh, my God, do they all look like that? And I was like, all kind of weird and creepy and shady. Maybe, Katie. Uh, but I don't know what to make of him yet. Uh, he's, he's, in my, he's in my middle of the road list right now. He is not graduated to sweetheart status, but I don't know enough about him yet to think that he's he's the villain because he's he's not the one who was like a weirdo later right no that was Aaron um, that was Aaron okay. who I have written down he's an insurance salesman from San Diego so you might know him you might have gone to high school <laughs> with him and I wrote here here my note for him is that he kind of looks like Dale from Claire's season if he was sort of left out in the sun for a little bit too long like melted a little bit and That's again, nice. he was just kind of, again, super generic with her and said something about like, he, she makes him smile or he'll make her smile or some shit like that. And he showed his true colors later when he just says to Cody, again, I'm, I'm not like the biggest Cody fan. We'll talk about him. He's the one who shows up with the blow up doll. But it's like, he's just like, I don't like you, bro. And I've never liked you. <laughs> it's like you met him a half an hour ago. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just really confused by that interaction. That cracked me up. It came out of nowhere. And then like, Cody gets the final rose. Like we all super care whether or not the Aaron and Cody beef is going to like continue. Like we know who the fuck these people are or why they're fighting. I liked that Trey said that he wasn't going to get into the beef because he was a vegetarian. That, that, was kinda, that was cute. That was cute. Trey was, Trey was cute. I guess I could, I could pivot to Trey who I do actually think is a real contender. Uh, he gets the first, not the first impression rose, but the first rose in the rose ceremony. And he, he pops out of a, the back of a pickup truck that he's filled with, with like playpen balls uh, tells her that, you know, he thinks they're going to have a ball. She's going to be a baller bachelorette. Uh, when we meet him, he says that he speaks or he reads Latin, knows 40 digits of pi. I mean, he just seems like a huge dork. And, I'm shocked uh, that you're into him. Yeah, I know. We're all really shocked. But what's shocking is that Katie's into it. Like, that seems like the kind of dude that I would be like, oh, he might have gone to Carlton, but also. <laughs> <laughs> but also the Bachelorette's into him. And let me tell you, that's not a Venn diagram that usually has a lot of overlap. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. He's like, I play the harmonica and I know 40 digits of pi. I mean, I, I, I docked a point or two because I, I like legitimately was traumatized in the ball pit of an Ikea when I was like five. But again, these are, these are personal problems and we needn't, we needn't burden our listener with precisely where I developed my claustrophobia. Um, <laughs> I'll pivot to Cody just because we were talking about him and his fight with Aaron over nothing. And I mean, points to Cody because Cody was just like, Cody did not really fight back. Cody was just like, I don't, even know what's happening right now, which would be my reaction, frankly, at every stage of this show. But here's the thing. I mean, I guess the most important thing is technically he makes this joke like in quarantine, he's developed a strong relationship and he brought her with him and it's a blow up doll. 
and jokes ensue. His cryon lists him as, quote, a zipper sales manager, which leaves two possibilities. I didn't look it up because I want to live with a mystery. One is which he works for a company called Zipper that the cryon makers expect us to just know about, or that he only sells zippers. And in fact, there is such a vibrant community within his company of people who specialize in the sale of zippers that they require him to manage them. Either way, I was just like, what in the ever fuck is a zipper sales manager? And what, like, I was, I, I wrote in my notes, like, move over boy band manager. For those of you who remember that one dude from last season of The Bachelorette, because what Kenny. in the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I love the cryon people. They have a wonderful history. Like, they listed some girl's job once as being a twin. <laughs> um, they just, I feel like the cryon people just get drunk and, like, honestly put whatever they want down there. Uh yeah, which I love. So I thought that was great. Zipper salesman. He's just like, I'm not going to fight you, bro. I literally have never met you before. And I, and I don't blame Cody for the sex doll. I feel like so, someone was going to fall on that sword. Uh, a lot of San Diegans. I feel like more than more than usual. I'm shocked to find that there are camera whores from Southern California. I mean, I'm stunned. Stunned. Uh, another one, Gabriel35, entrepreneur. I don't trust that as a job. Um, he's the one who shares his favorite hug and breathes all over her like a creepy motherfucker. I have two things listed for him. One is bootleg Topher Grace. Oh, totally. That is who he looks like. And second, Gwen, how many kinds of hugs are there? And what is your favorite? <laughs> My favorite is hugs from people who are not strangers to me. I would be like, get off me. This is another reason why I would not be a good bachelorette. But, like, if you're squeezing me and breathing on my neck and we just met, like, your hug has gone wrong. It made me think of that moment in the office when Dwight is doing the investigation into whether or not Oscar is sick. And he asked Gwen, he asked Pam, how did he cough on the phone? And she said, how many ways are there to cough? And he said, three. And she says, the second one. And Dwight nods heavily with this new knowledge. And then he says, that's all you had to say. I don't know how many kinds of hugs there are, but I guess that's one of his favorite hugs. Gross. Um, I will say, just because I'm in the G area now and we're talking about people who are pretty irrelevant, but maybe a little creepy and look weird. Garrett, who I have written, listed here as a bootleg young William Atherton, who is like the bad guy reporter in Die Hard. Like he looks like if that person, if William Atherton had been de-aged by like 40 years. And I don't know that that's a phenomenal look. He, he There's nothing else of note about him. Um, are there any are there any contenders that we haven't gotten to yet? Are people, is there about three or four people that got a lot of screen time that we haven't gotten to yet? Any of them interest you? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Andrew S. seems to be a contender. Um, he shows up and does his British accent that she does not buy for a minute. But she she seems to find it funny then. And then later she does a little British accent with him, which is ridiculous and, you know, I don't know, kind of cute. I don't know what I think about him yet. He's a football player who plays football in Vienna, Austria, which... I don't know if I had to go date a footballer in Vienna, Austria for a year and then break up with him because, you know, we didn't know each other that well in The Bachelorette. There are like worse ways to spend a year. So well, I liked a couple things about him. One, he seemed pretty dorky for a jock. The other thing I liked about him is like, let's just put it on the table. If you are playing American football in Austria, you are not that good at American football. I mean, you are like, I'm yeah. sure top like 95th, 96th percentile in the world. But you're not good enough to be in the pros. And what I liked was that he did not have the attitude that some of these failed almost NFL players on these shows have. Like he literally said at some point, like, it's just an opportunity to keep doing the thing I love, which I respected. Again, he didn't try to pretend like perhaps retired soccer players at the age of 25 <laughs> who were on Temptation Island that, you know, like they had been great or they were great. Like his attitude and the way he framed what is obviously not like really a successful relative to his hopes and dreams career, I thought was suggested, suggested a good attitude. I mean, another former, former athlete that we have that we'll have to talk to because he plays an important role is Mike, who is the virgin gym owner. And I wonder if you could perhaps enlighten our listener about the proud 
tradition of the role of the virgin on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mike. I have here the comment that Andrew says he, quote, seems like a douche. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> this is this is what we go to our philosophy PhDs for. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a weird history of the virgin on this franchise. And I don't know if it goes any farther back than Colton. So Colton was on, I believe, Hannah Brown's season. No, she was on his season. Fuck, whatever. He was on someone's season. And he ends up admitting to her basically right before the fantasy suites, like, hey, I'm a virgin. And the bachelor, bachelorette, the virgin thing comes up a bit more because right in the second to final episode is the fantasy suites where if you want to, you can go bang it out with the lead. The show always implies much banging it out has been done um, from everything I read. It's actually pretty, I think, unusual for them to bang it out behind the scenes. It's mostly their only chance to like speak to one another without a camera present. And so that's mostly what they do. But, you know, everyone was like, oh gosh, he's an almost pro athlete who's a virgin. So he became the next bachelor and they treated virginity very sensitively on that season, as you can imagine, which is to say they did not at all. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, ugh. this is like one of the ways in which the franchise is gross, which is just like basically like exploiting this dude, ex- exploiting the fact that like he's a virgin. I don't even know. I don't even know how I feel about it. Like, why would you put him on this season? Why would he go on this season? She doesn't want to marry like a virgin Christian man who's saving himself for marriage, not because he's never stuck his dick in it, but because they have completely different values, if that's something that's really important to him. Yeah, his face is also kind of dumb. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Speaking of dumb faces, um, as we just go through some of these remaining people here, okay, I want to find this one guy. So there's this guy, John, who's listed as a bartender. I swear to God, he looks like a marionette. Like, I don't know how else to describe him. He looks like a really lanky, skinny-ass marionette. He's the one who does the little, like, turn back, and I guess it's supposed to be cute, but... He looks like he was very recently carved out of wood and then magically turned into a real boy. And I'm not horribly optimistic that he'll be with us for that long. No, no, I don't think so either. Uh, Lots of random J's. There's James, the software salesman. Oh, he's the box dude. We want to talk about the box. We want to talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about the guy in the box. So the motherfucker in the box. Yeah. So we've been teasing this for about as long as they did. So (laughs) there's this giant present shows up. I mean, it's probably like, Six by six by six cube, um, like a present wrapped with a bow is wheeled in front of her and is just like, I'm not high. I'm not coming out of the box yet. I'll find you later. And she's like, okay. Then the box is brought inside and like, he's still not out of the box. And then at some point he finally presents himself out of the, bo- out of the box. His name is James. He looks like a bootleg Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, who is dressed up for a Gatsby party. And I guess my question is just like, is the squeezing worth the juice on the box? Like he didn't even have a box pun. It was stupid. <laughs> no, I mean, this, the squeezing was not worth the juice. Like she barely talked to him. I mean, I guess he was memorable enough that she kept him. But outside of that, I mean, he all I can all I know about him is that he really is willing to commit to a bit and he is really willing to commit to the use of hair gel. And those are the two <laughs> things that I could tell you about him. I think he should have real like he should have stayed in for like five episodes. <laughs> like I, I want to see like the cocktail party. It's like I don't know if you ever watched the Garfield animated show. They had interstitial episodes um, from this other cartoon called U.S. Acres, which is all these farm animals, and one of them is just a chicken that is not hatched yet, and he is an egg with two feet. And there's all these jokes basically implying that he has this really elaborate, like, full apartment setup in there. Like, occasionally you're like, like the oven timer ding, or he's watching TV inside of his egg. And it's a decent bit. Like, I want the implication that this dude has been living in the box for, like, weeks. Like, that's where I think otherwise, like, he stayed in there for, like, an hour and he didn't even make a box joke. Like, it really didn't do, didn't do a huge amount for me. Staying in the Jays, okay, I want to talk about Justin, because Justin, like, actually, he kind of made out with her for a second. He's an eye banker who is the painter who makes it first to, like, the joke that he's like, I want to, like, I spent the whole quarantine stroking it out. And then he pulls out the paintbrush and he's like, 
with this, of course, but like he paints her a painting and it's like a, it's like a heart made of roses, but there's a spot in the middle for the quote void in his heart, which like, frankly, I don't know. It just sounds like a pretty problematic structural abnormality. Like <laughs> I, I'm not big in on Justin, but I don't know. What's your take? No, no, I'm not big in on Justin. Even if I, I let him off the hook for the sex pun, fine, whatever. Like the, it's, it's the, it's opening night, you know, like opening night's supposed to be fun. Opening night is not about the creepy ass void in your heart that the dumbass painting of roses that you made in no way, shape or form actually represents. You could have a cool thing where you talk about like, what do you actually enjoy painting? Let us get to know you, Justin. He's going straight into bachelor land bullshit language. And I don't like it. It's tough to be serious from the jump. You have to be, I think, just like really, really attractive in her eyes to pull that off. Like, for example, Marty, who did not make it in this episode, who is a dancer, and he just says, why not us? And I'm thinking, well, because you got like 15 seconds of screen time in this episode. So probably it's not going to work for the two of you, but I just don't think that for her, he was hot enough to say, say nothing. Unlike, for example, Marcus, who says absolutely nothing, but like she seems like completely unable to look away from his eyes. And he survives the episode. So again, it's there's many roads lead to Rome on that first night, but you do you do have to be careful. All right, we're 50 minutes in, and we haven't talked yeah. about the dude in the RV. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you the floor. I have a lot of thoughts, but I feel like I feel like this surgical skin salesman has been like viscerally affecting you all week. So just just get it out. I would just I would like to use this opportunity to let everyone know that. Making jokes about how you're not going to sexually assault a woman when you're alone with her, it doesn't put women at ease. So he's like, hey, I drove this RV out here. And you're hoping like, God, I hope he didn't really. I hope it's a prop RV. My friends, it is not a prop RV. So this motherfucker is walking her to the RV. And he says, normally you shouldn't go in vans with strangers, but tonight's just a little different. And poor Katie just says like, Haha, <laughs> let's hope. Again, because that's not funny, you douchebag. Then we go into this RV that he, like, hasn't bothered to clean. And I'm just saying, like, if you're looking for a life partner and they're not even willing to clean their RV when it's going to be on national television, think about how your home is going to look that you're sharing. He Then he has set out a disgusting veggie platter that, like, he got at the local Vons. Because apparently he didn't know this event was going to be catered. Is, and some- a Cal- is that a California grocery chain? Yeah, because the, I have never heard of that in my life, but the dripping contempt you have in your voice for bonds. Yeah, it's a grocery store. It's in California. Whatever. And then there's like some iced tea sitting down next to it. So she's like, she's polite. She's going to drink the fucking iced tea. She picks it up. He says, I promise you it's only iced tea. I'm not going to bring you in an RV, give you alcohol, and then show you the bedroom. Bitch, run. I don't care that there's camera crew in there with you. Like, you need to get out of that RV. She tries to sit down on the couch. He has to, like, shove his dirty fucking underwear off the couch so that she can sit down. This person is a serial killer. Those are my thoughts about the RV. That seems that seems fair. Um, my first thought is maybe we can kind of segue from Gwen's food minute in our Top Chef recaps to Gwen's seduction minute in our Bachelorette <laughs> recaps, starting with don't make jokes about assault. Um, I'll also say this probably has a lot to do with just like gender privilege to a certain extent. My first thought was just about how shitty the crew today was. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, offensively. Again, it's just like it's just like one of those little plastic platters with like you a- even take it out of the plastic platter. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, when when you come home at the end of the day, right, you're tired. Oh, my God, you're stressed. You know, what nice thing has your partner done for you? Well, if the nicest fucking thing they can think to do on national television is to unpop the plastic lid from the shitty. And also, who the fuck wants to eat a vegetable platter? Like, where's the cheese? Where's the bread? Where's the chocolate? What kind of bullshit was that in the plastic tub? Anyway, suffice it to say, this guy, I actually have to scroll up to see what his name is. 
Because I just uh, have him listed as surgical skin sales. RV I have him listed as RV Jeff. dude. Jeff. His name is Jeff. Again, he brought the RV saying this is his home. And he's showing that home is where the heart is. And so if his heart is here, his home has to be here. But it was... I just, I will say, I know that I overuse this, but I, I legitimately want the complete oral history of this production setup. Like, yes. how much of it did he pitch? How much did they pitch? Did he, like, did they suggest that he keep it creepy? Or did, like, they just not tell him to make it uncreepy? I think the latter. I mean, like, that that dude chose to bring his home out there. Like, the production did not make him do that. Yeah. Again, and if you were a normal person and a producer was like, no, you should keep it seeing like something that like, you know, he only brings women there to murder them. Like, that's really the vibe you should go for. If you were a normal dude, you'd be like, actually, I think I'm gonna put my laundry in the hamper before the bachelorette comes inside. Anyway, we hardly knew ye. We also, we lost the dude who was John Wick cosplaying whilst on his moped who said no words. Um, pretty much, and and it's over for him. We also lost Marty the Dancer. Yep. May he dance in great happiness. And we lost Austin, the real estate agent who had this, like, I don't know how to say it, except he was trying to look like he was trying to look like a 90s R&B guy. Like he was wearing, like, a turtleneck and then a very, like, low-hanging white necklace. And I did enjoy when he was eliminated that, like, he embraced his fellow men, again, as if he'd known them for more than two to three hours but <laughs> the the bonds that we forge in battle they last a lifetime well we're coming I, up on an, on an hour oh sorry do you have any quick austin thoughts no but i do have a significant moment that i would like to shout out uh that happened in this episode that i don't know if you would have noticed uh, but but hit home for me so i don't know if you remember the part where she's talking to michael michael has a dog named tommy he leads with his dog and then he brings up that he also has a four-year-old kid which, you know, one, I think I might have led with that, but whatever. So if, if you've ever watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, the one thing that these people do constantly is talk about how much they want to have children. They don't even usually say like, oh, I want to have them someday. Like as far as I can tell, the attitude is like, I want you to get me pregnant in the fantasy suite, baby. That is how goddamn ready I am to have kids. And so he says like, so, you know, do you, do you want to have kids? I assume expecting her to say, yes, yes, I love kids, etc. And then she says, I definitely want kids in some way, I think. Or if I'm, if I'm with someone who doesn't, then that would be fine too. And I gotta say, like, America should have taken note. I have never heard a bachelorette admit towards ambivalence about having children in my life. And I thought that that was actually really unusual for the show and very refreshing. I had two thoughts about that moment. One, I immediately suspected him of lying about his dog's name in order to create the confluence with the name of her cat, which obviously he had Googled. Second, it did also stick out that he was saying that the child that he, of course, was missing because he was on this absurd TV show was with his parents. Hmm. So there was some ambiguity about there being, you know, who the mother is or the mother's role in the family, as opposed to, I've already forgotten his name, the asshole that Claire screamed at, like, you're the reason that I'm not married yet because I didn't settle for guys like you. The one Yosef. who was, Yosef, the one who was like, the one who was like, you're not good enough to be the mother of my child. It's like, homeboy, your child has a mother. <laughs> that child is with that mother right now. But anyway, so I will say I, what you point out is is smart, but also what, it did, it did ring a little bit different. He wasn't peddling the kid out as a fucking human shield the way that no. the way that Yosef was. Well, as we get to wrapping it up, and we're very early on, so these are very difficult guesses to make. But I guess my first two questions for you, who do you most want to win? And I think we know the answer is Connor. But who do you actually like? If you had to pick somebody that you thought was most likely to win after one episode, who would that be? Tough to say. You are absolutely correct that the person I most want to win at the moment is Connor. For reasons mysterious to me, Connor has won my heart, at least until he does something douchey next episode. As for who I think is going to win, I'm not sure. The Bachelorette, I think it's like, and I should look at the stats, literally like 50% of the people who win The Bachelorette are the ones who get the first impression rose. That's not the case on The Bachelor. It was sure as shit not the case with Taisha given that I drafted Spencer <laughs> second overall in our fucking fantasy draft to see him basically do nothing else after getting his first impression rose. 
Yeah, he was absolutely useless. Unlike earlier that season, Dale getting the first impression rose and everything from that. I mean, frankly, it's shocking given the way that season went that he didn't get like a first impression blowjob. Like she was on, did. She was on him from the jump and oh, was yeah. utterly disinterested in anybody else. I guess there's just something about like football players from South Dakota who never make it to the NFL that just she couldn't turn down. Burn. Uh, so, so I think given the history of the show and everything, um, you know, I, I think Greg has to be in the conversation. I think I haven't seen yet if he actually has like the charisma and spark with her for that connection to really go somewhere. He just seemed so shy. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe Trey and Andrew both seem like goofballs. But I wonder, like, I think the problem with the goofballs is I can see them and, like, being her show friends. Like, there are always a few dudes who the lead just gets on really well with. Dr. Joe. Yeah, yeah. And they keep them pretty deep in the season because they're they're good fun. They're good peeps. But, like, the sexual chemistry isn't there. So I, I don't know. I guess Greg, obviously. Connor, obviously. And who the fuck was it who also got the ki- the other kiss? Um, well, Justin got a full Justin. on all out smooth session, but again, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, know. I don't I think, love him. I don't think Justin has the has the humor. He's too serious, and I don't think that she wants that. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, obviously those two, Connor and Greg, though they are kind of in the same lane. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see which fuckboy emerges. I'm I'm leaning that I think Thomas will be the fuckboy promised, just because of. The, like the camera and the music. But that does, does dovetail to my next question, which is who is most likely to go out in a blaze of douchery slash who will, at the when it's all said and done, be the one who was most clearly there for the wrong reasons? I feel like Aaron is on the slope to douchery. Yeah. He's yelling at Cody for no reason. Then he's like stalking around the party being like, oh, why is everyone so tense? It's a party, man. It's like everyone's tense because you're being a douchebag. There are two modes of douchery. Okay, right. There is basically like douchery amongst the men. Mm. Like Aaron, yeah. Like he just seems like an asshole that is going to get in trouble. But I don't think she's going to fall for him. I feel like Thomas might be the one that she could fall for that will do her dirty. And maybe, maybe homeboy in the box too. I don't trust homeboy in the box. Yeah. He was in the box too long. And too much hair gel. There's quite a bit of it. But anyway, I do think, I do think a fuck boy will emerge that will, that will tempt her and do her dirty. I don't think it will be Aaron. He looks like a duck. (laughs) And I mean, which I like ducks, but I don't know that. I just don't see him. I mean, I actually gaining her heart in any way. No, I don't think so either. But I think if it ends up being a group of guys who are mostly nice and get along, the producers will make her keep Aaron for quite a while. Agreed, agreed. But again, I just, I I, I bring that up only to say I do think there's a distinction between those who are assholes without actually making a connection with her, without breaking her heart. Like, Yosef didn't break Claire's heart, right? Well, no one was going to besides Dale. Versus assholes who then actually, like, their assholery is linked to them proving that they're there for the wrong reasons and breaking the heart of our lead, which we shall see. We shall see. Well, we've we've gone over an hour, which frankly is less than I, I thought we were going to. We're going to wrap it up here. For those who are listening for the first time, welcome. Welcome to Batch Face Principality. Um, we, we would be very excited to hear your questions or comments. We can be reached at batch underscore face on Twitter or resting batch face at Gmail. And Batch is always spelled like Johann Sebastian Bach, B-A-C-H, for reasons. Um, whether those be the right reasons or the wrong reasons. And I'd like to point out here that we are a spoiler-free podcast. Uh, please do not text us anything that you may know about what happens this season. I did not watch the coming up this season on The Bachelor because, frankly, the the producers of the show are a bunch of spoiler whores who ruin a bunch of things. But I did hear that Blake Moynes from Claire and Tasha season is coming back. And I am so excited. That man is an idiot. Was that the dude who sculpted the dick when they were doing the sculpting? Yeah. The Canadian guy who yeah. just like didn't put his clothes on after that stupid volleyball game for like the entire talking head. He's such a dumbass, And I think he's going to both, 
hold no interest for Claire, but hold a lot of entertainment value. For you mean me. for Katie? We're going to have to. Oh pivot yeah, to so actually. sorry for Katie. Also, for those of you who are only now getting into our podcast, we don't know anybody's names, and we're going to no. make a lot of those errors. But if you liked what you heard at all, um, feel free to catch up on our extensive back catalog. We recapped the entire la- uh, most recent season of Temptation Island as well as we are more or less up to date with the current season of Top Chef. So we are incredibly eclectic <laughs> in our pretty minimally prepared podcasting <laughs> empire. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys are excited about the rest of the season and uh, we will be back at you after the next episode. And there are, unlike The Bachelorette, on Resting Batch Face, there are no wrong reasons to be here. So we, right. hope you, we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye, y'all.